Hello, my name is Camille and welcome to the creative space where we talk to creatives in their spaces, both physically and mentally about things that inspire them. Today on the podcast, we have my friend and coworker, Alfie Riviera, um, and we are in his home and we're going to be talking about transition, I think is probably going to be the big overarching theme to this podcast. So um, with that being said, I'm going to turn it over to Alfie and let him tell you a little bit about um, his transition from New York to Nashville. So, like, what brought you here? <laughs> it's going to be a long-winded uh, story, <laughs> but that's okay. I'm excited about it. What brought me here? Uh, originally, it was love. Um, I had met someone in New York City that uh, was from Kentucky but used to live in Nashville and his mother is ill and so he decided that he was going to move back here and so I decided to follow him for love because I believed in that story yeah and um obviously I know that something you and I have in common is fashion so um, you had like a career going out there. You had worked with Zach Posen, Nylon, and Mark Jacobs, and you know, those are all pretty big names. And Nashville, while it has like a small and like growing fashion environment, isn't quite the same as New York. So, how was that transition for you? It was a huge transition. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, when I moved here, I thought my career was over in the fashion industry. I shaved my head like Britney and (laughs) thought that, you know, I was going to have to do something completely uh, different that I I did not know what to do in that sense. Um, Fashion has always been my life. Um, So New York was a chapter where I just really worked hard for that kind of growth in in the fashion industry and and towards the end I actually despised it a little bit because it wasn't what I thought the fashion industry was Um, so it was really disheartening but at the same time it was the only life that I knew and when I moved here um, I just thought that you know little old Nashville didn't have anything in the fashion industry there were some pageantry designers or you know um just artists and fashion designers that were barely starting um and one of the dreams of mine was always to help someone um achieve their dream and before I actually moved here, I had creeped all over social media and saw uh, Liz Elizabeth Suzanne, and she was just one of two people, and she never emailed me back. <laughs> um, and so when I moved here, I emailed her again, and within like a month later, she messaged me apologizing. Uh, because she had just moved into a bigger space Um, and that took about almost three months after I moved to Nashville uh, where 
I was just soul searching in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was kind of at my breaking point when I found Liz because, I mean, at that point, I thought I would, I didn't know what I was going to do. Yeah. So, yeah, it's been good. It's been <laughs> interesting. Um, did you feel like, because you're moving here, like, for love and stuff like that and didn't know that you would find a creative career, did you feel like you were kind of already making that sacrifice? Like, how did you feel about that? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, I was sacrificing so much moving here, but at the same time, I had huge faith in the sense that I was moving here for a reason. I -hmm. mean, I moved here for love. Uh, That's point blank what it was. Mm -hmm. I mean, was I naive in many levels? Yeah, definitely. Um, But at the same time, like, I believed in that so much that I did not care what path I was going to take Mm -hmm. uh, for, like, professional, on the professional side. Um, And that was interesting because when I moved here, I didn't, I had only visited Nashville once, and it was for two days. Mm -hmm. Um, And I had done my research, but at the same time, I feel like when you move somewhere, you don't really know until you're there physically. Mm -hmm. And we moved into a little... Um, city called Franklin outside about 35 minutes outside of Nashville which is extremely family orientated and uh, just very very southern (laughs) 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 something that a a Brooklyn boy did not experience before yeah Uh, and it was um, it was different it was just, it was a huge eye-opener for me in many levels. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's fair. <laughs> yeah. That's like a very, it's, it's a very complicated question. Because yeah. I think there's just so many factors that um, come with it. Yeah. No, I think for me, like, we've talked a little bit about this. Like, if you want a creative career... It comes with a lot of sacrifice, I think. Um, And you're definitely always, like, battling, like, what is practical and, like, what everybody else does in society, like, settling down and all that stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, And sometimes that type of a life isn't always practical to, like, a creative career. Oh, no. So I'm always interested in, like, people who have made that kind of a sacrifice and like what it means to them because I think you're a very creative person um yeah so yeah it's it's interesting that you say that because I do think uh yeah I feel like my life here in Nashville up until now has always been one or the other Mm -hmm. it was always you know help building this kind of empire that we're at Mm-hmm. which is amazing, um, but then also try to build that solid foundation with someone and have that family and the kids and and all of those things. Um, so battling those two is always a huge thing, or it was a huge thing, but uh, I think I've, what I've learned is what in tune that really meant, like what what sacrifices that really meant by doing both 
mm-hmm. trying to do them equally at the same time, at least. Because um, I had never experienced that, so. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> interesting. Yeah. Like, where, what got you interested in fashion to begin with? Like, um, how early was it for you? Um, it was my mother. Yeah. I honestly can remember a specific moment where she was getting ready and I was just sitting in the bathroom watching her put on her makeup, curl her hair, and the transformation of seeing someone um, at the time was battling her own demons, I think, with my father and things like that when she did have those opportunities to get dressed and put on a beautiful dress or a beautiful shirt um, and do that whole transformation. For me, that was just, it was gold. It was something that was beautiful. Um, And I used to always view my mother as like a Barbie because her name was Barbie. (laughs) And my sister had tons of Barbies, which I used to steal. And uh, (laughs) my mom, you know, blonde hair. And for me, she was the epitome of a perfect woman. Uh, So I used to cut off my mom's clothes, her sleeves in her closet. And I used to make um, dresses for the Barbies. And in my head, they were for my mother. Um, And I just started coming up with different things my mother still has all the Barbies <laughs> of course I tied them because I didn't know how to sew I used to tie knots behind the Barbies so like the front yeah. was beautiful but the back was all like little knots yeah um, no I made like toilet paper Barbie dresses really? or like wrapped them in like scarves okay. and stuff like that. Yeah. my mother has <laughs> them all um, I love that yeah and I was always obsessed with Disney princesses, your typical gay guy. And uh, (laughs) which one was your favorite? Princess? Yeah. Oh, Aurora, Sleeping Beauty. Really? Yeah. She doesn't have to do anything. She's She's asleep the whole movie, probably. Exactly. And she's (laughs) She's beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) She's not drooling or like crusty eyed. It's just perfect. I'm glad it wasn't Ariel, at least. I feel like everybody loves Ariel. Everybody loves Ariel. Everybody loves Ariel. That or Belle. I mean, I love Belle. (laughs) (laughs) You independent women are all about Belle. Um, But yeah, just, I think all of those aspects, I used to just find very fascinating. and, And something about the beauty and and how whimsical, you know, the gowns were, Mm -hmm. um, you know, years later, when I made it my craft, I mean, I wanted to be a, a couturier. Mm-hmm. I wanted to make gowns. I wanted to, you know, have a woman experience that beauty that I saw. Mm-hmm. Realistically, there's no money in it. But, <laughs> um, the craft is, is amazing. It's a dying art. But, um, yeah. Did you ever receive any, like, adversity for wanting to have a creative career? What do you mean? Like, did anybody, friends or family ever, like, make you feel like that wasn't an option or, like, it would be hard for you? Never. That's great. Uh, Growing up, never. Mm -hmm. My mother was a huge supporter. 
um, you know, my father wanted the typical boy, and my mother knew. I think she not only knew that I was gay, but knew that I loved to make clothes for Barbies. Mm-hmm. Um, and she saw something there. And so every Christmas, my father was very adamant about buying me, you know, trucks or boy toys. But mm-hmm. then the day after was Christmas for me, because that's when my mother would take me and we would buy a Barbie or she would hide a Barbie for me secretly <laughs> or things like that. Um, and she was just a huge supporter. And same with my grandmother. Um, my mom's mom, she used to make my mom and my aunt's clothes as a kid. And I remember watching her make patterns out of newspaper. Mm-hmm. Um, and she taught me how to hand sew. And uh, everyone was always supportive. They always said that my name was going to be on a billboard. Um, Everybody, whenever you say you want to be a fashion designer, like instantly assumes that you would like love to be famous. Exactly. I feel like you wouldn't hate it. (laughs) I would hate it so much. (laughs) I would hate it. Yeah. I don't like the spotlight because it takes away from what the actual craft is. Mm -hmm. But, um, what's your favorite part of the process? That, that depends. Yeah. I think if it was... I think when you are doing something... When you are making something for yourself. Mm-hmm. If I was making um, something that was beaded or patterned, um, finding the beauty in hand sewing or finding the patterns to match to me is my favorite because it's kind of like uh, like tic-tac-toe or you know you're you're making a pattern that was something that was just a solid print into you can change it into so many things same with mm-hmm. beading you know here's one little bead but once you hand stitch it on something it can turn into something beautiful yeah uh as someone that works in the industry, I think putting the pieces together, putting the mm-hmm. sleeves together, making a sleeve, making a hem, those are always my favorites because you get to see those stitches. You get to see what forms, which is really cool. It's always my favorite. What, like, inspires you most in, like, a creative sense like is there a certain woman that you prefer to design for or a certain area that you like to draw from for inspiration not anymore mm-hmm. I used to yeah now it's uh, my inspiration has been Liz yeah Um, I started with her when she was starting and I just really believed and still do believe in what she um, believes in Mm -hmm. what what she believes is true Um, and everything that she does for the most part because she's stubborn and I'm stummered uh, (laughs) I 
always see the truth in what she's designing and um she's a huge inspiration in that sense because she doesn't realize how i guess what she's doing which Mm -hmm. is really cool We've talked about Liz a little bit, mm-hmm. and of course, anybody who's listening has no idea who Liz <laughs> is. It's like, who is this mysterious, wondrous woman, Liz? Um, so, do you want to talk a little bit about Elizabeth Susan and like? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Elizabeth Suzanne is uh, the designer that you and I work for. She is a pioneer. Um, mm-hmm. She was. And still is the first person that, um, the only person that I've ever worked for moving to Nashville. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah. mm-hmm. she's a stubborn, amazing woman. <laughs> um, no, I always found like you working for yes a little bit interesting just because like we're sitting next to your portfolio. Mm-hmm. It's got its femme fatale inspiration pages <laughs> of glorious beaded gowned collections and then Liz is like you know very simplistic in her approach but still I guess it's not complicated but it's so it's it's thoughtful I guess is the word um so how is how does that translate for you I think growth yeah. I used to find the beauty in objects, in dreams, fantasies. Mm-hmm. That's what used to make me make these gowns or illustrations or things like that. As time and as I've aged, gracefully, hopefully, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I have found with all of the designers that I have worked for, I think Liz is someone that holds that true essence of beauty. Mm-hmm. She doesn't need the beads. She doesn't need the expensive fabric. She doesn't need the chiffon. She doesn't need any of that. Um, and I think that's why I'm so in tune with her and her vision is because I see her for what she is. She is the woman that she wants to be, even if Maybe at times, just like all of us, she doesn't see that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I feel like that's what intrigues me with her and the brand is that she is the essence of a woman. Mm-hmm. I mean, that sounds a little dramatic, but no. for me, that's, yeah. that's what I've grown to learn um, as a designer, as a seamstress, as anyone in the fashion industry. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's funny hearing you say that and like thinking back to like a few minutes ago when you were talking about your mom and how she was like an ideal woman to you. Mm -hmm. Um, women have always been a huge strength for me. Mm -hmm. Um, that's why I'm very happy to work with mostly all women, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is very rare in the fashion industry, surprisingly. Yeah. Um, but just, I think the way that I've grown up and the journey that I've taken, women are just, you guys are badasses. Thanks. <laughs> You're very welcome. Um, okay, so we're talking about transition. And obviously, you know, we've talked a little bit about how you got here and now 
you're in a different here, yeah. still in Nashville, yes. but um, you know you've moved um, in a lot of different ways, I guess. <laughs> um, My body yeah. is a wonderland. <laughs> oh, hello, John. Anyway, <laughs> so um, I guess let's go into like how did you get from point A to point B? Because your life has definitely shifted a lot over the past year. Yes. Um, so yeah, go for it. Ah. Uh, you know I think um, like I mentioned before I moved here for love and I um, yeah I yeah (laughs) I'm trying to I'm trying to process that because it's there's just so much with that yeah Um, you know I met this person uh, three years ago, and he changed my world. Mm-hmm. You know, I was before I met this person. I was in New York. I was celibate. I didn't date. Um, I just focused on me. I focused on my craft, mm-hmm. and it was amazing. I didn't expect to meet him. I didn't want to meet him. Uh, he kind of forced himself into my life. Yeah. And I'm very grateful for it because he showed me so much that I did not know um, of myself. I think uh, we ended our relationship in December, December 5th. Not that I'm counting. Uh, but <laughs> I think, um, yeah, it's been interesting. It's been a, It's been a tough journey, I think, because... The person that I was when I met him and the person that I became during the relationship was so off. Um, I basically lost who I was. I, I've, it's bittersweet in a sense because I, um, looking back now, I put all or most of my energy into uh, Elizabeth Suzanne. Mm-hmm. as time went on in, in the relationship because I was so unhappy with myself and in the relationship that um, that was the only thing that I had left of myself mm-hmm. was my craft. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I tried so much in the relationship. We both did, but um, it just didn't work out. Mm-hmm. So... It's been interesting with this journey um, because I'm starting to find out who I am now compared to who I was. I feel like I lost so much time and so much. Um, I don't want to say I didn't. I didn't grow. I definitely grew within the relationship. It's just bittersweet. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah, it makes total sense. Um, so we are in your apartment mm-hmm. and you went from living with someone that you had been with for a number of years to living by yourself. How has that transition been for you? Difficult. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very difficult. I remember when we I first visited your apartment and you had all the little like printout papers that were like, you are strong. Yep. <laughs> I, uh, you was kind. You was, you was kind. Was... You was special. I definitely did. Um, 
And sometimes I bring them out even now. Yeah. And put them up because, uh, yeah. I can honestly say I, I did not expect um, for the relationship to end. Mm-hmm. I had so much faith in in us that um, I would have never imagined it getting to where it was at. Yeah. Um, truthfully, even after the relationship ended, I still tried to make it work because I knew that A, I was unhappy, but B, I loved him. Mm-hmm. And I still do. And I think that um, that's what's been really hard is that when you give yourself completely, you would never imagine that that person wouldn't be able to match you. Mm-hmm. You know, the person that is your best friend or um, your partner, no matter the strain in the relationship, that they're still there. So moving here has been a huge journey of um, self-acceptance mm-hmm. and uh, self-awareness, being aware of what I'm capable and what I'm uh, strong with. Yeah. It's been interesting. This this place is becoming home. After yeah. six months it's it's finally becoming home. It's mm-hmm. it's been it's been a journey. Yeah. Me and you have talked about that. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> um, I moved to Nashville about eight to nine months ago, so we talk about how we'll like go away from Nashville and come back and it gets a little bit easier every time for sure. This space um, was the one that I wanted to do my first podcast in because it is almost entirely what inspired me to start the blog. I had a day here where (laughs) due to technical difficulties, (laughs) I spent the day alone um, in Alfie's apartment and um, had the mysterious pleasure of getting to be alone with his things, which is not something that I have had the opportunity to do with a lot of friends, I guess. You know, you spend a lot of time with your friends in their homes and, like, get to see their things, but maybe not always see why they resonate with you. Um, And I think I felt like this space just translates to me exactly who you are. Like... We were talking about this last night. Alfie, um, his house is pretty minimal and aesthetic right now. Um, And I'll hear him say from time to time that, like, he doesn't exactly want it to be that way. Like, he, you know, would like to have more things and stuff. Um, But everything in his house right now feels so reflective of who Alfie is. And it's just little tidbits that all tell a pretty solid story about what are his favorite things and things that he loves the most and I think uh I don't know in a way I guess it kind of what's the word I don't know it kind of reminds me of like just immigration (laughs) like I know that's a weird word but seriously I mean it's like you know you like came here with like the the things that matter the most to you um maybe that's like a naive way to put it I guess but you know whatever (laughs) But seriously, everything in here, it has a purpose or it has a reason why it's here. It's given you some amount of joy. Um, And I don't know. I would love to know, like, you know, 
what are like a few of the most important things that you brought with you to the space? Ooh. I know it's a loaded question. Ooh, that is a loaded question. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think that for me, memory, even more so emotional memory. Yeah. Uh, is very big for me. So everything that is in here has an emotional attachment. Uh, I guess you can call me a very young hoarder. <laughs> Maybe if I will this be. is being a hoarder, then it's the <laughs> cleanest hoarder I've ever seen. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, all right. Um, <laughs> no, it's a lot of it are things. It's interesting. Um, There's a lot of little things here that just, I don't don't know how to explain it. Um, I look at something, great example, there is a original um, print I knew you were going to look at that one first. Yes. I knew it. Anyway, go ahead. But it's, it's it's my ultimate favorite art piece that I have. Um, It is of Alice in Wonderland. And it is um, a specific scene in the book, which is one of my favorite books, mm-hmm. top five, um, where it's towards the end and everything is a clutter. Everything mm-hmm. is just happening at once. Um, and she's still pulling through. She still has strength. It's interesting because that was a gift <laughs> from um, my ex. And he was not aware that that was my favorite scene. Yeah. And for me, I'm a firm believer on little moments like that. Yeah. And so um, it's front and center of the house. And it just reminds me of, of courage. But it also reminds me of the moment, not only when I was young and I read that book, but I guess every, every moment and every memory that that book has or that picture has given me mm-hmm. um it's interesting yeah but it's my favorite mm-hmm. it's one of my favorites um there's also i think little artifacts here that i have um last year i went to my grandparents house um to help them kind of clean up yeah because uh, they're getting at an age where it's a little difficult and there are some things here that I have that I remember as a kid that they would talk about um, my grandfather owned his own auto body shop and my uh, grandmother was a seamstress but she was also a stay-at-home mom and she just did so much that woman <laughs> crazy um, but I just have pieces from when my grandfather was in the Navy or when um, my Nana's, you know, great aunt, she went to um, North Korea, you know, just little things like that that hold special emotion for me because it's where my family went. Mm -hmm. Family's really big for Mm -hmm. me. Um, Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's just a lot of little things. I'm a little knick-knacker. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But 
Yeah. Everything is very intentional, but it also just holds... It's interesting. Mm-hmm. I could tell you every single thing that I own, where I got it, when I got it, how I felt when I got it, mm-hmm. or who gave it to me. Yeah. Um, I can I can give you that. Yeah. And it's wild. Uh, someone once told me that I am someone that doesn't remember the important things, <laughs> like the logical things, yeah. but I'm someone that holds um, the important things to me. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So, like, you may not think that it's important to remember where, I, where this rug came from, but I can tell you how important it is to me. Where did this rug go? <laughs> I swear, everything, when I spent the day here, truly, I could, like, feel that every single thing in this apartment, like, has a little story behind it. And, it like, does. we were talking before we started recording about different little things in the apartment. Um, every time I come over, I'll pick at least one thing up and be like, what's this? Where did you get it? How did it come to you? Why did you bring it here? And there's yeah. always a really good story <laughs> behind it. Yeah. So... Yeah, that that is it. I mean, this rug uh, was a birthday gift. Um, And it, uh, yeah, holds a lot of memory. (laughs) It's a good, it's a good red vintage rug. Yeah. What about Alice in Wonderland do you love so much? Because I know you have a vinyl of it too. Yep. I, I did some snooping. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, Alice in Wonderland and The Wizard of Oz are huge for me. Um, Alice in Wonderland in particular is just the journey that she took. Mm-hmm. Um, as a as a kid, I just remember fantasizing about the fact of her going through these experiences and and having to deal with so many obstacles, but yet at the end coming up just still as a child Mm -hmm. um i had to grow up pretty fast as a child Mm -hmm. so books like that um were my were my way of kind of still having a childhood i guess does that make sense yeah um so you know alice in wonderland in that sense of still being a child no matter what she went through Mm -hmm. uh, i used to and still do find very fascinating same with the wizard of oz i think um that was something surprisingly that my my nana um and my sister have a really close bond with mm-hmm. um and i never really was that into the wizard of oz until i got older yeah um because i saw that special bond between them and I didn't I wanted to understand why mm-hmm. so when I read the book I was probably truthfully like 13 14 years old when I first read it mm-hmm. um, I was blown away and I understood why my sister was so into the Wizard of Oz and mm-hmm. why my Nana always had you know the movie playing or talking about the characters and it was because I think um, the way that my Nana grew up was very difficult, and I think that was a way of her keeping that childhood, mm-hmm. just like it was for me with Alice in Wonderland, and I think when my parents divorced, 
my Nana saw that in my sister, how difficult it was, that mm-hmm. journey. Um, yeah. That's so interesting. Mm-hmm. I have a similar relationship with Peter Pan. Really? I loved Peter Pan growing up. It's like That's my favorite movie. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I used to find Peter Pan hot, but... <laughs> That's a different podcast. There was like, there, no, the live action one. Me and my sister liked. Oh <laughs> yeah, it's like so disturbing. It's like so little. But and at the same we were time, like, you're like, like a little older. I don't know. Um, but anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. Oh, I just cracked my back. Before we started the podcast, Alfie like cracked his neck, and we had to start over because it threw me off. <laughs> um. Hmm. Okay, well, let's see. We have a couple other things in here that I would love to talk about. Yeah. So, I know that um, Anne Frank's diary is, like, super important to you. Yes. Yeah. Do you want to talk about why? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, Although, it should be, hopefully, important to plenty of people. <laughs> hopefully. Ooh. <laughs> um, uh, Anne Frank was the first book that I read in school, in elementary, and... Jeez, that's a loaded book to be, like, your first book in school. It was. Mine um, was, like, Charlotte's Web. Really? (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's the only one that really held strength for me. Yeah. In that sense. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just remember it was an English teacher in middle school. I don't remember his name, but he was a big old queen. And he <laughs> was one of my favorite teachers. I yeah. just, looking back, he was probably, it was in sixth grade, and I think he was a, a long substitute teacher. Yeah. Um, but um, I have a learning disability that most people don't know about, which mm-hmm. is um, reading and writing. I swear I have dyslexia. It's, I don't even know. I, I don't even know. But um, reading has always been difficult for me because I get too excited when reading things and I get the words mixed up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I used to have a speech um, impediment. Impediment. Thank there you. Go. No problem. And so uh, those were always difficult for me. But this teacher would, after class, sit with me and... Um, help me through Anne Frank because he saw that I was always wanting to know what was happening. Mm-hmm. And um, I just kept that book. I stole it from the school and it's still, it's right behind Wait, me. Wait, that's the copy? That's the copy. That's so cool. It's old and it's falling apart, but it's something that I still hold with me. Um, I can't believe you still have that. I do. That's so crazy. Bookmark. Um, sorry, <laughs> but it, um, it's okay. I feel like it means more to you it does, yeah. than the rest of school. <laughs> now that that means that you should, um, steal, steal exactly. if it'll mean something special. I was underage. It, yeah. It's whatever. The moral of the story is to only steal when you're young and it's, you can get away with it. Yes. Apparently. Exactly. Um, but... I think it was also a time where a lot of things were happening in my life with my parents that um, for me seeing a girl that was a child around my same age go through something 
that was far more severe than what I was going through Mm -hmm. and still be able to laugh and make fun of her sister or the people that she was, you know, hiding in with. She was still finding those moments to be a child. And even now, I still um, hold on to that. And so anytime I have a moment of reflection or a moment of insecurity, I always go through the day in that book that I'm currently at and I just read that day. So a great example, um, almost literally um, a couple of days ago, I, I picked it up because I was feeling really anxious because um, uh, as, uh, a time is coming. <laughs> a time is coming. Um, to where it's just, it's, uh, it's, it's my ex's birthday. Yeah. And for me, um, that's kind of the last thing that I have in a weird way apart with him because mm-hmm. we had planned to a degree so my anxiety has been pretty high the yeah. past couple of days but I I just picked it up and I read it I read the day um, and she was talking about she wrote how frustrated she was at her sister because she noticed that her sister was falling in love with a boy that was in the house mm-hmm. and she just did not understand why she couldn't hang out with them. And she was writing her frustrations. And I, and I stopped and I kind of thought about it. And I said to myself, you know, I'm not going through that. But the frustration of feeling this anxiety is very similar in that sense. I can, I can understand with what she was feeling. A feeling that she wasn't a part of something. Feeling that she was alone and just was frustrated Mm -hmm. and I saw that and I said okay I get it Mm -hmm. I feel that as well I feel alone I feel that I'm not a part of his life anymore but at the same time it's okay Mm -hmm. because just like she did she wrote the next day and she wrote the next day and I'm gonna live tomorrow and I'm gonna continue to (laughs) rock on good yeah exactly (laughs) Um, but for me I don't know why but I just hold that. I think it's kind of like a, a reference for me. Every time when I'm going through something, I just go to Anne Frank and I'm like, you can do it. I freaking can do it. And yeah. Um, it sounds weird. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. <laughs> I'm trying to like articulate what I'm trying to express. Yeah. But yeah. You're doing a good job. Good. Okay. <laughs> you know my words mix up. Um... But yeah, that's Anne Frank for you. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. So one other thing I want to touch on. Yeah. Because I think, I don't know. So it's a total detraction from what we were just talking about. <laughs> but you have some gay porn just hanging out. <laughs> um, I do. I came from a super, super conservative home. Um like, my mom won't even say shit. Um, and I think that 
if we never ever talked about sex, it would be fine <laughs> with her. <laughs> so definitely, like, the first time I, like, I mean, when I was here alone by myself, I was like, oh, it's here, like, just some magazines, and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> but, um, no, I don't know, something about it, I really enjoyed in a weird way, just because I guess I was like, that's Alfie, like, he's just, like, out there, I don't know, mm-hmm. so, like, um, why the porn? <laughs> <laughs> Well, okay. <laughs> um, first, sex has been a, a part of my life. I'm a very nosy kid, and mm-hmm. uh, my parents owned the joy of sex. And I, they used to hide that thing all over their bedroom, and I would always find it. There was a point where my mother put it in the vent, and I knew. Magazines? No, the joy of sex, the book. Oh, okay. It's a book that came out in probably the 80s. That showed every position that you could do. The joy of sex. (laughs) And it was illustrations. They weren't actual... There were some pictures of actual people, but they're mostly Mm -hmm. illustrations. Um, And that was also a big clue for me. I did not care what the woman looked like. I just cared what the guy looked like. Mm -hmm. Uh, But but I always used to just take it because I was fascinated. I was Mm -hmm. fascinated with it. Um... And as time went on, sex has just always been a part of my life. Mm -hmm. I think people in society are so afraid to talk about it. But to me, there's beauty behind your body. Mm -hmm. I think that your body in particular and my body are beautiful canvases. And I think that when you partner it up with somebody, there's a connection that there's that bond that you have Mm -hmm. the chemistry um and i just find beauty in that Mm -hmm. as amazing as hot as it is yeah but i think that um it's funny because these porn magazines these vintage porn magazines yeah they were my grandfather's Uh and um some of them are european from when he would travel with the military uh but to me they're kind of um comical because my grandfather looked at them yeah. and I view them in a completely different manner than yeah. he did because they're mostly of women. Yeah. Um, but to me, it's just fascinating mm-hmm. in that sense of what people view women back in that time, mm-hmm. um, which is in the 60s and 70s. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, some of my artwork are of naked men. Mm-hmm. Um, illustrations or photography mm-hmm. for me um, the male body just represents beauty just like a woman's body does mm-hmm. but I think that women have been portrayed for so long in that sexual light yeah. that men have not mm-hmm. so when people see a naked man, they kind of get uncomfortable more so than a woman. Yeah. And it's just because they are not used to seeing um, a male body. Mm-hmm. You know, look at the magazines that I have here. Mm-hmm. You look at the men and they're soft. Mm-hmm. Uh, or they're portrayed in a certain manner. That always fascinated me because... 
that's not how a man is going to be generally yeah. when he's in that light with a woman yeah. or a man. Um, so having art like I do, that kind of, and they're very feminine poses, mm-hmm. and I love that. Mm-hmm. Something about a strong man or even a feminine male um, posing in a feminine manner yeah to me is beautiful because that just tells you that once again women are so strong yeah that men are portraying them even if it's in a pose or um in the way that their hands lay in a photo to me is beautiful because that just tells you women are just amazing Mm -hmm. women have so much strength than i think most out there realize um but of course, as a gay man, I love naked male. So, uh, <laughs> no, it's I, I funny. Even in the magazines, I feel like they're more real mm-hmm. because they're older. Like they're less like I don't know. I just feel like they're more realistic. The bodies are. They're not more honest. Yeah, yeah, they're just more. It's just more honest. I don't mm-hmm. know. Hairy vaginas and all. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> But, um, yeah, so that's really cool to hear you talk about. Yeah, yeah. I think, um, especially being in the South, when people come over and they see just even, like I said, an illustration of a, of a guy yeah. naked, um, they get uncomfortable. And it's just because the way that they were raised is something that's very private. And sex mm-hmm. is very private. Um, I don't talk about, you know having sex with my partner in that sense to yeah. a degree I think yeah. you know as friends you you know <laughs> girl um, but at the same time like I'm pretty open I will walk around with people here like I showed you my tan line <laughs> and it showed my butt and I didn't care because yeah. to me it's the body we all have Mm-hmm. You might have bigger boobs than I have, but the fact is, is <laughs> I <that> definitely <laughs> have bigger boobs than you have. I think um, <laughs> that's the beauty in it. Yeah, you know, is that you have to just step out of that comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Um, that was something that I always used to find humorous um, when people would be, and still are conservative in that aspect. Mm-hmm. Just all fascinates me. <laughs> it does. It does. Yeah. What does living here mean to you? In this place or in general in Nashville? Like this space. Like what does this space like mean to you? Like what does it give you? Um, it gives me shelter. Yeah. It gives me um, security. It also gives me life. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very bittersweet. Mm-hmm. I did not realize to what degree that meant. I think subconsciously, when I looked at this place, I I needed somewhere where there was natural light, and I needed something that reminded me of the city. That's what I told myself. Yeah. Um, which this place is just that. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
like the random important things in my head. It was also the first um, place that we were supposed to live. Mm-hmm. Um, and remembering that, remembering that conversation, because mm-hmm. it's an email with photos. Uh, <laughs> became very bittersweet. Yeah. Because it reminds me that no matter where I go or what I do, there's always going to be a memory of that relationship or that memory. Mm-hmm. Just like all of the things I have in here hold mm-hmm. a memory. Um, and it's... It's just bittersweet because I love this place and I love the walls. When I first moved in here, I only had a mattress and boxes with knickknacks. There's nothing worse (laughs) than moving into a new place and sleeping on an air mattress. It will break your soul. Uh, Luckily, I did not have an air mattress. (laughs) Okay, well, good for you. (laughs) It was just a mattress on the floor. There was nothing. I mean, I literally, I had just artwork and knickknacks. Yeah. Um, And... I remember I was crying in the bed and I just started to talk to the, the space mm-hmm. and I just said, please take care of me and, you know, things of that, of that manner and it helped. Yeah. And now when I come in, I feel the warmth, I feel the love mm-hmm. and truthfully it's because of the friends that come through or the day-to-day activities that I take in here. Mm -hmm. Um, For the longest time, I just stayed in my bedroom and that became my safe zone. But as time has gone on, I've experienced each room, literally. um, And I have made it home. Yeah. Um, I even sat in the closet one time (laughs) and just looked at every nook and cranny because there's so much history in this building. Yeah. Um, Do you want to speak to that for a minute? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this... You don't just say the name of the building because I don't want... Uh-huh. I mean, not that it... I mean, not that you're, like, famous and someone's going to, like, hunt you down. But, like, you know, just for whatever reason, let's um, just keep it out. Well, I live in a loft and it used to be an old cotton mill. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know exactly when it was built. Probably in the 1800s. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was the last standing kind of mill here in Nashville. And they were going to tear it down um, in the early 2000s. And someone bought it and made it into these amazing lofts. Um, mm-hmm. And my unit in particular looks out um, onto a street that during the day the sunlight comes in. And it beams in here. I mean, mm-hmm. I never have to turn on the lights. Yeah. Uh, and there's these huge tall windows with old brick that still have old nails in them mm-hmm. that are rusty as hell. Um, <laughs> tetanus. And uh, the wood floors are original. They have so much history in them that I just love because... I couldn't tell you what this space was used for, but I could tell you that there were hundreds of people that have once walked on these floors Mm -hmm. or touched that brick. 
Um, and to me, that holds so much because I'm connected to them in a weird way. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Yeah. It's good energy. It feels safe here. It feels just good. Um, yeah. It's funny until we like started recording this podcast, I feel like I didn't realize to what extent like history is really important to you. Yeah. 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 There's a lot of history in here. Like, everything looks pretty, like, new and, like, up to date, <laughs> cute, or whatever. Like, it's got that mid century modern oh, feel. Lord. But, um, and it's very clean. But, like, yeah, there's just, there's a lot of history here, both in the building and in your possessions, I feel like. I, um, yeah. I think I I resonate with history because it tells a story, mm-hmm. but it also gives you a path mm-hmm. um, for the future. Mm-hmm. I think that you can't move forward without the past. And so for me, all these little knickknacks, e- even though they're from family members or places where I bought them um, or that were gifts, they hold a lot of memory, but they also help me in my future. Mm-hmm. They help me see maybe what where I was at at that point in my life mm-hmm. or what I was feeling at that point. Um, and that helps. Yeah. I think when people... I, for me in particular, I can never live in a house that doesn't have something emotionally attached to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I have friends that will buy everything brand new and they won't even put a picture up of their parents or their loved one. And for me, that I could I could never live there. Yeah. I hate hotels. Yeah. I hate hotels because there's no warmth in them. Mm-hmm. Whereas an Airbnb, it gives me the opportunity to creep the hell out of it <laughs> and go through every nook and cranny to find something that tells me about those people. Yeah. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm creep. Yeah. You like a good story, I feel like. I do. Huh. I do. Well, I think that's pretty much where we're going to let it slide off for, oh, wow. for the wow. podcast. I don't know if you realize, but it's been an hour. Oh, my gosh. Um, Woo! <laughs> well, thank you so much for being earnest and open and just sharing your space with me and letting me do this <laughs> thing here. That's so crazy. You're very welcome. I, know. I think um, it's crazy that you say it's an hour because I think the way that you have answered these questions are... You answer these questions. Well, asking these questions. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. Asking these questions... Um, I'm a pretty open person, but nowhere near as open as this. So <laughs> thank you. It helps that we good friends. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yes. Well, that's it, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in for the first episode of the Creative Space. I've been Camille and you've been Happy. <laughs> <laughs> that was awful. But um, <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Um, thank you so much. Um, I think I will hopefully be putting up an episode 
once a week. We'll see if that really happens. Um, if not, then, you know, that's life. <laughs> All right. Bye.